Hello and welcome to Dr. Scoff and the Prof. Food, history and mirth. That's our new subtitle. It is, yeah. You finally got your way. We changed the changed the name of it a little bit. We well, amended the name. Amended, okay. Let's amended. introduce ourselves. My name is Bryce Evans. I'm Associate Professor in History here at Liverpool Hope University. My name's Clay Granston. I am a lecturer in marketing here at Liverpool Hope University. And so we've a new subtitle because we want to make it clear that if you're after food, history, mirth or a combination of all the above, yeah. This is where you can come. Exactly. And we're continuing this week with our uh, brilliant trip we did to London uh, a little while back. Yes, and while we were in the streets of London, we uh, were getting a little Dickensian, and we were going to some pretty old, uh, pretty established eating places. And one of them we went to was the theme of this week's uh, pod, which is the Chop House. The Chop House, yeah. Simpsons Chop House. Uh, it's really old, isn't it? 1757, if I remember rightly. Yep, middle of the 18th century. Um, chop houses, uh, have you got any puns for us on chop houses? That's what we usually do, don't we? Yeah, um, we've kind of skipped that, haven't we? Because obviously we've, we've amended the name a little bit. Yeah. So you're... Uh, so we're not doing the, the puns anymore. Well, that's fine, no, with, no, that's no, fine no, with me. No, 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 we've got a couple. Oh, um, okay, if you must. Uh, what about Hellbrazer? Ah, as in to braise meats. That's pretty good. Yeah, like the film Hellraiser and Hellbrazer. Punning on chop houses can't be easy, so you've obviously been spending a lot of time here. Hours. Next one. Slice, slice baby. Uh, very good. Yeah, he sounds, yeah. yeah. condescending there. Excellent. And should we, uh, last one, uh, I've got, I've got loads here. I've basically got a book full of them where I just, I just choose the best. Uh, Donnie Tabasco. Okay. From Donnie Brasco. I think Slice Slice Baby is pretty good because really? that speaks to the nature of Chop House. Or Hellbrazer. I think Slice Slice Baby, I like a bit of yeah. 90s rap reference. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> but that, that, that sort of leads into the nature of Chop Houses. I mean, you, Indeed. You, you know a lot more about it than I do, like what they were. Sure. What? Yeah, well, uh, back, in, back in the day, as mm-hmm. it were, back in the sort of 17th, 18th century, there was sort of three main types of establishments. I'm using fluffy languages, there were others. Yeah. Uh, different establishments you'd go and eat. So there used to be taverns, chop houses, and ordinaries. Mm-hmm. So ordinaries were a place where you could get like a, a, what would you say, a menu of the day. Yeah. What's the French version of that? Yeah, I, I can't do sure. Yeah. Wow. I was thinking Spanish, carta del dia. Uh, Okay, so that's the ordinary. The ordinary. And then Tavern is like a public house, yeah? Yeah, and it was a bit more for the gentry, okay. should you say. There weren't as many ne'er-do-wells uh-huh. allowed in those types of establishments. Right. Although there were the odd exception. But then you had chop houses. Then you had chop houses, yeah. So a chop house is a place you'd go and you'd eat some really nice meat. And in the, in the traditional chop house, there would be, uh, and we saw this in Simpsons when we went, yeah. there was a large marble um, table. In the middle of the room. Slice, slice, baby. You slice, yeah. So you go and you choose your meat. Your meat's hanging up, yeah? You yeah, or it'd be hanging, or it'd just be great big hunks of meat yeah. that would be, would be laying out, essentially. You choose the, the, the cut, the, so it's chopped. Yeah, you choose the amount as well. So yeah. you would say maybe an inch or two inches, or if you're really hungry, you know, as big as you want. Yeah. And they would essentially chop it in the middle of the room and then yeah. cook it. 
Cricket in front of me, yeah. yeah. Indeed. This is kind of making a return, isn't it, with the sort of hipster food movie? Yeah. I've seen a few of these sort of places. Yeah. So. There are, yeah. I mean, um, it seems as though food is kind of going full circle back mm. to the times when you went to a place. And if we talk about these taverns, mm. these chop houses and these ordinaries, there was certain places that, that were known for a speciality, mm. should we say. So you would go to one place for that, um, for that eel, let's mm. say, or you'd go to another because they had a fantastic chop, or they mm. had broiled cheese, or you know, mm. there's all kinds of weird and wonderful wacky things there, mm. uh, or stew cheese, I should say. Um, and we're going back to that slowly. Mm. You know, we may have talked about it in the past, but you know, you go to a pub now, mm. a traditional English pub, should I say, and the menu tends to be quite uh, quite broad. Mm. So on the same menu you'll see a korma, let's say, mm. and a spaghetti bolognese. Too and much choice. Well, it, it's it's sort of, it's they don't specialise, essentially. Yeah. But that's changing. We're starting to see a few changes. I think we might mention this, but you look at places like Burger Lobster. Yeah. So again, places that just specialise on one or two things. Yeah. And we're starting to get back to that. And that's what Simpsons was like, wasn't it? It was, it was amazing. Um, although it's a place, I think we'll discuss later, frequented by people earning a lot of money, city types in London. It, well, it's it's yeah. very rustic and simple, yet really good food, isn't it? And really good value mm. as well. I think when we're talking about, when, when we start talking about Simpsons, or we start talking about chop houses, we've talked a little bit about the sort of older history. Mm. But when we actually spoke to the people, we've got a nice interview uh, that you're going to uh, mm. share with me a bit later. We do, they share. But we're going to talk about the more modern day history mm. as well of what's been happening sort of in the last sort of 18, 40 years, let's say. So there's, it's, I mean, it's steeped in history. Um, we, when we were speaking to Ben, who's the, who's the general manager there, he was talking about the fact that um, some of, is it Dickens? The Dickens, I mean, it, the whole place feels incredibly Dickensian. Now, I believe there's another Simpsons which is more associated with Dickens. It's on the strand, isn't it? That's think, right. Yeah. But I think Dickens... Uh, probably dying to some stage. I mean, it's a very established place. Um, and consequently, to get that feel of sort of Victorian London, I think there's very few places that really haven't changed because the decor inside yeah. is exactly the same. And as a consequence, the Dickens family reunion is held yeah. there yeah. every year, so some surviving members of the Dickens clan. And it does feel like nothing much has changed since the 1750s, but in a very good way. Yeah. I mean, we, we've talked about the fact that most chop houses have this marble almost in the middle yeah and the same as simpsons you go in there and you see it as soon as you walk in there's this, mm. this beautiful marble and that was to keep the meat cold as well it's a bit like when you bake you tend to have sort of marble or something similar so it keeps cold and, and so there's displayed as well there's a certain so comfort yeah, there indeed it? and <clears throat> the other thing when we were speaking to ben uh he was telling us about the fact that it's a bit like going to eat in wagamama's a wagamama experience anyone yeah. who's listening if they've ever eaten in wagamama's it's a bit sort of Everyone sits in a very social eating. Yeah, but I have to say, uh, it's uh, in my opinion far superior to what oh God, yeah, yeah. Um, But it's that long bench dining. So yeah. it's sort of, it's sort of tall appearances, very traditional, no frills, long bench, long wooden bench yeah. uh, with a brass rail on top yeah, yeah. to hang your bowler hats traditionally. And top hats as well. Yeah, yeah, I mean if you go further back, because yeah. a lot of market traders have always and do these days frequent this place. Indeed, yeah. Um, but for, for a place that is, I suppose, patronised by the financial elite, people yeah. earning big bucks, let's face it, like you say, very reasonable and a very communal feel. And Ben, who's the manager there, was telling us that back in the day, I think, does this rule still apply? If you're sat there, yeah. shoulder to shoulder on the bench, and if you have to, because obviously they serve alcohol as well, if you have to get up yeah. and go to the toilet too many times, that's disturbing the line on the bench, then you have to 
forfeit by banging everyone in port. I think it was probably yeah. I don't think it's enforced as much as it used to be. Perhaps not. No. But essentially, as 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 Bryce is saying, there were benches, and if two of you go and sit down, you could sit down essentially with two other couples on the same bench. So it's almost social easing, which we've spoken about before. Um, But it was incredible to me because you think of the whole world, the city world, you know, market traders. Uh, that whole market scene, you know, you think sort of Wolf of Wall Street yeah. and elitism and cocaine and all the rest. Yeah. Whereas this is a very communal feel and it, it forces you to sit, you know, shoulder to shoulder, elbow to elbow in a very traditional setup. Yeah. And I would imagine as well, especially given the uh, standing of the place and the length of time the staff are there, that there's no time for any prima donnas. You know, everyone is essentially treated the same. So it's incredible for a place that's located in the city of London, the yeah. heart of the financial we should, we should mention it's near uh, it's near Bank mm. Station, so it's right in the right in the, sort of right in the financial district, but it feels incredibly communal. Well, and um, another thing that Ben mentioned was the fact that uh, there was a little bit of cross-pollination going on. So because mm. of that uh, convivial nature, people sitting next to each other, that social eating, everything about mm. the, the environment, mm. that you would have different people of different strata within the companies mm. sitting shoulder to shoulder and also different co- people in from different companies yeah. sitting shoulder to shoulder and from different industries so on and so forth and it's fascinating in terms of you know the growth of uh, England or Britain as a nation I suppose because yeah. first of all you know you have what underlies Britain's success the growth of market capitalism right? so this place is and always has been frequented by market traders so you've got that but also in terms of national identity it's a place which is based on red meat and of course that's the nature of English national identity, especially going back in the day, yeah. in distinction to European identities, is you know hearty red meat. So, so these places are incredibly historical because they're tied up with the growth of the modern nation, the growth of the modern trading empire. Yeah. And to this day, I think you still have traders going in there. They're different, you know, subsection. You've got the futures traders, sure. And you've got Lloyd's Insurance sure. who take another part of the yeah. of the place, and, and and it becomes an extension of the trading floor in a way because you can have conversations there. Um, without sort of, it's you know sort of elitist dining conventions, you can have Indeed. a chat, etc. And it breaks down barriers, doesn't it? Without those, like you're saying, those conventions there, you break down barriers. People feel like they're, you know, the same as others that are eating there. And it, 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 like you said, it, it breaks down barriers, and hopefully, and again, Ben was was, was just almost ripping, just telling us about anecdotally things that that may or may may not have happened. There were some very rich anecdotes, but there were yeah. some. Deals that had potentially been struck there because yes. of this this way of eating, yeah. Um, and also, you, um, I think, later when you speak to when well when we listen to Jean, yeah. she was talking about how no matter how much money you had, people were buying each other drinks, and it was you know it was the, a lack of class distinction, which is, which is incredible for such an elitist industry. And when we sat with Ben, who who is the manager. Um, it was, you know, he's a very accommodating, bumptious type of guy, yeah. and it was sort of sleeves up, and we had an enormous stilton in the middle, yeah. and it was get your cracker and stick it in the stilton. There was no kind of hoity-toity-ness to it, was it? it was we should talk about stuck stilton, in. though. I mean, that was that was incredible. Let's so, talk about the big stilton, yeah. The big stilton. There was a big wheel of stilton that was put in the middle of the table. And, uh, and when we say wheel, we mean like, big, wheel. Like, like almost like those cheeses they roll down hills in it's Gloucestershire. A full, yeah. it's, a full, it's a big, big wheel. Yeah. And you were given spoons, and as Bryce just said, you were given a few crackers, yeah. and you were just told to just help yourself, and you paid a, I think it was, wasn't it? It was a derisory yeah. amount for the amount of cheese that you could eat. Yeah. Essentially. And we had a lot of cheese. We did eat a lot of cheese. And uh, when you finish, they, they say, have you, are you done with the cheese? And the, and the wheel of cheese goes to another table. Yeah. 
And there was a, he was saying there was a game they used to play where uh, you had to guess the weight of the cheese. Again, this yeah. was probably 150, 200 yeah. odd years ago, and yeah. it hasn't really happened in the sort of recent past. Yeah. But if you got it right, everyone who was eating in the room with you got cigars yeah. and pork. Yeah. Which I think is brilliant. I mean, again, you just don't see that in, yeah. in, in restaurants anymore. You don't, yeah. that's sort of um, community. Uh, it was very communal, very convivial. Um, in fact, it was amazing to see. Uh, in fact, if you're visiting London and uh, you're after a sort of you know traditional English dining experience, Fair. you couldn't yeah. go far wrong, could you? I mean, it, it's it's nothing fancy in a way. It's kind no. of you know hearty fare, and um, it wasn't too expensive. I don't think we've really you know considering the clientele that go in there, mm. it's kept its historical roots in that it's very affordable food. Mm. Um, you know, fourteen, fifteen pounds for a chop, and that's, that's really cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, they do some of the classics in there as well, devil kidneys. Yeah, uh, I think there was um, some um, all sorts of pies. Bits and we, we had a pie yeah. as well, didn't we? Yeah. And it's the famous thing. Um, would you like a sausage with that? So yeah. we ordered yeah. the pie and, and yeah. Yeah. a lot of red meat. A lot of red meat. Yeah. <laughs> but we should caveat this by saying that these days, due to health and safety regs, etc., they no longer um, prepare it in the old-fashioned, i.e. chop it in front, hang it, chop it, cook it in front of you. Yeah. There obviously is a lot of that's done in the kitchen. And Ben said that was quite recent as well, uh, I think in the last couple of decades, that they've stopped cooking in the room. Mm. And I will mention that this is it's a quite a small room. Yeah. It's not an enormous, sprawling yeah. um, service area. Yeah. It's, a, it's quite small. There was not really an enormous amount of tables in there. Mm. But it used to, yeah, as you said, get a cup, get it cooked. The chef would be in there cooking it. Yeah. Uh, but unfortunately, yeah, um, health and safety uh, has, has stopped that happening yeah. for various good reasons, I imagine. But uh, I mean, another it, it thing probably loses a bit of the ambiance of the place coming out, smelling of the meat. And sure, sure. And I think another thing that Ben uh, mentioned that it changed is that well, it remains a sort of midday establishment, doesn't it? I mean, it opens. I think at eight in the morning. I think yeah, uh, Tuesday to Friday, it's, it opens at eight thirty on Mondays, eleven thirty. But shuts early, three thirty. Yeah, so, so last orders at three thirty, and you have to basically. Yeah. Ask kindly to get out. Of yeah. the but they all the staff there mentioned that um, there had been a decline that traditionally heavy heavy midday drinking, heavy lunchtime drinking. Indeed. I remember reading in the FT a few years ago that Lloyd's, you know, the big shipping insurance company based uh, there in London, had banned actually its employees from lunchtime boozing. And I think a few other firms have uh, followed suit. In fact, I think Ben mentioned a uh, Shell in in the late eighties were the first to do this. So there's been a decline in that sort of lunchtime drinking scene. Um, however, it remains a place where you're going to see busy, uh, you know, trading types in there yeah. getting stuck into a bit of food. She also mentioned about the, the lovely people we spoke to there. I mean, yeah. It was so welcoming. Um, I was really blown away. I mean, my background's in hospitality, and it was it was incredible to, to go to a place where people have been working there for 40 years. Mm. You just don't see that. Especially in London. Now. Especially yeah, like the yeah. turnover of staff is so well in hospitality in general. The turnover of staff is yeah. pretty big. Yeah. But there were two ladies we spoke to there that had been working there for about forty years. Yes, maybe even more actually. Yeah, potentially. And they were running the bar, a couple of bars in the place. There was a bar downstairs. Yeah, the, the stories they had were fantastic. Obviously, a lot of celebrities in there back in the day. A lot of stores who would be propping up the bar. But there was there was a real history about the place. You know, there was pictures of them from 20, 30 years ago and there were real relationships. I remember one of them saying that, that you know, some of their best friends they've made yeah. from working there. 
I can't remember having a conversation with anyone in the hospitality industry where they, mm. that's happened. They've worked a place for so long. Mm. They've not just they're not just sort of punters anymore mm. or, or um, you know, customers. Mm. They become part of their family, part yeah. of their social group. You know, she said she went on holiday with them. And, yeah, yeah. Oh, it was brilliant, and and they're so warm and welcoming. Yeah. By the way, we're not getting any money for this. No, this, this, this is not sponsored by Simpsons. Yeah, asterisk endorsement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we, it was incredible because usually, you might, yeah, you go to any eating establishment really, and you know, I like to talk to the staff and say, you know, what, what's it like to work here? How long do you know? And usually, the, the answer is like what, two, three months or something. Yeah. But there, it was you know, 40, 50 years. Yeah. Which is incredible. Which again adds a huge ambiance to the place. Well, yeah. If you. It, it was just it just felt like it was steeped in history. I mean, when you walk into the place, it was down a little cobbled street, yeah. and when you walk in, it, it just obviously there's lots of uh, sort of signs up telling you how old it is, but it yeah. feels old. It feels like there's a lot of history in the place. Yeah. Um, but part of that, I think, comes down to that recent history of those people who were the embodiment of mm. Simpsons, mm. and and therein lies its rarity and uniqueness, really, doesn't it? So should we should we have a listen to Jean? Let's go to Jean. I mean, Jean took me down to her bar downstairs, and Jean had all the stories, uh, all the anecdotes of people she met over the years. Some of these, of, of course, don't leave the four walls of Simpsons. We no, can't stick them on a public podcast. One of the reasons Bro- uh, Ben didn't want to come on either. Yeah, because people, you know, confide, and like you said, it's, it's a friendship thing, uh, and it's, it's a sort of you know uh, thing of uh, almost a kind of it was a very fraternal feel, wasn't it? it was, yeah. uh, but Here's Jean, and Jean is going to tell us a little bit about her working life. Every bar was a bank, so we had no competition whatsoever other than the main places, and every one of us was busy. Um, But if you walk down Cornhill now, all the bars down Cornhill were banks, Mm. and you can say that about Grace Church Street as well. I mean, my first customers when I opened that bar downstairs were bankers. Midland Bank International was in... Uh, uh, Grace Church Street, ANZ was in Grace Church Street, and they used. Uh, we've always had the, the top blokes. We've never had. Um, we used to get a few messengers in the early sure, early sure. days, and they were a, a, a different breed. But what was always really nice, there's never been any class distinction in this place, which might mm. not doesn't apply so much these days, but in the early days. They were the real gentlemen, and they were the messengers who they allowed. You, you've met little Gordon's yeah. story oh, yeah. about. Mm. But there was never any uh, class distinction. The, the, the group of you know, international bankers that I had, they would be buying around, and they'd say, I'll oh, get one for the boys, Jean, mm. the messengers, that were, whether they worked at their bank or not. But when the boys over there... They would return and they'd go, I'll get the fellas a drink. And more often than not, the chaps would go, well, we've got to actually get back and all that, being discreet. But there was never any class distinction whatsoever. And it was very, very nice, yeah. It's always been really... I wouldn't have waited to stay here 40 years if I didn't buy a job. Um, But it's always been really friendly. And as I say, we're very lucky with clientele. Um, but the Jamaican, we used to always, don't we've only matter. always been lunchtime, this one. But when we owned the Jamaican yeah, Inn, they went on all afternoon. So often the staff, yeah. I mean, we do work hard. So we'd often like a drink when we, so we'd go around the Jamaican sit cold yeah. from Newcastle type of thing. Yeah, yeah. And sit there and have yeah. a drink.
So welcome, pull up a chair uh, yeah. around the fire. Uh, here, uh, have a uh, have a cigar yeah. and some ports. This, this is your favourite part, though. But this is... We're going to finish off, we're gonna finish off um, after hearing from Lovely Jean, we're going to hear uh, about a book we've probably mentioned, certainly at least once. I have a certain sense of deja vu here, yeah. because... Yeah, let's be honest, chop houses, there's no, well, there's been a little bit written about them, but not a lot. And again, we couldn't find a better uh, book that discusses them than the classic, which we mentioned before, which is John Burnett, England Eats Out, A Social History of Eating Out in England from 1830 to the Present, uh, published in 2004. It's a, a book that Clay introduced me to him, which we both greatly admire. Yeah. And he discusses it extensively now. Yeah, I mean, we say extensively, as extensively as you can probably find. Um, that he talks about the book's great anyway. It takes you through the full full history of the uh, the restaurant in in Britain in London. Um, t- talks about taverns as well, etc. Goes all the way up to sort of the, the birth of Wimpy. Yeah, and the Lions Cafe. Yeah, that's why I think we've gone back to a few. If listeners will excuse us for going back to John Burnett, but it's because it is. It places chop houses within the context of other forms of eating out, yeah. you know, from to railway cuisine to home cuisine later on. And I suppose it properly contextualises a lot of what we've been saying earlier on with our sort of case study in Simpsons. Indeed. Yeah. It's going to be, I think that's it, isn't it? Okay. That's all we're yeah. going to talk about. A uh, couple of things I mentioned before we go. When you're in London, honestly, go to Simpsons. Go and give it a try. It's not a hoity toity London restaurant. I think we've Probably I think we've got that point, point across. that point across, but it's really reasonably priced. It's not a tourist trap. Yeah. Um, if you want to really experience uh, a proper dining experience in London, mm. um, go and try it out. Go and speak to the lovely people in there. And our um, thanks to all the staff there who yeah. did make us feel really welcome that afternoon. We had a great time, didn't we? Yeah, we, we did. had a really, really good time. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, last thing to say, just, you know, listen to the podcast if you like it. Uh, follow us on Twitter. Yeah. We're on there. Um, go and write some abusive messages on on uh, Bryce's. Uh, You've got a web page. Oh, you? please do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or Just on my Twitter. Mainly topless yeah. pictures, I believe. Yes. Yeah. Calendar. I'm doing a calendar. Yeah. Yeah. Good. It's me with food. Yeah. Topless <laughs> poses. Yeah. Food. Excellent. No, but do uh, have a listen and go to uh, a chop house. Indeed. So from uh, Hellbrazer. Goodbye. goodbye.